You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 194 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, writer, journalist, dog mom, and the person who transcribes books for the great Stanley Eugene, Jessica Salagi. Oh, thank you for that introduction. I was about to correct you and say, shouldn't you be saying, one of my podcast partners in crime, but because you ended it about Stanley Eugene, I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, but you didn't. (laughs) Oh, no, I totally did. That was way nicer than what I was going to (laughs) say. How was your week? My week was great. Um, Stanley released his newest book, and it's been... It's been successful so far, and I'm excited. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I'm sure people can tell, but I'm not sick, so that's great. I mean, it's always nice when you have to deal with the, uh, I guess, symptoms of being sick without feeling sick. So what about you? How's your recovery? It's coming along. I got out for the first time in two weeks to go have a uh, follow-up. And, you know, last week was beautiful most of the week, except for Thursday, the day that I was going to the doctor where it was <laughs> it was rainy and cold and, I, and I'm on crutches. But he seems very pleased with his with his handiwork and I get to start therapy. Uh, not that I, I need more than just physical therapy, I know. Uh, next week, and I'm excited about that to be able to get up and move around, but very excited about the Braves. Yeah? Look, what as... Happened? Braves are world champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an Atlanta sports fan, we are we are conditioned to lose at the end. Uh, whether it's the Falcons and being up twenty eight to three in the half last year, with the Braves being up three uh, one games over over L A. and losing three three straight. So we're kind of conditioned to it. Even up 7 nothing in the seventh inning, most Atlanta fans were not celebrating yet. Even when the, the announcers are already talking about world champions and things like that in the eighth and ninth inning, we're all holding our breath until, until that last out because we're just conditioned as, as Atlanta fans to, to somehow screw it up. But they didn't. Yeah. They did, and they did it with 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 um, games to spare too. Yep they they had one one game to spare. They did it in Houston in convincing fashion. It, and I stayed up till I don't know two two or three that that uh, that night watching all the interviews and and all that stuff because you know we finally get our parade or got our parade as the show drops, and you know it's it's. It's good. This this the city is just the sports curse in Atlanta now, and of course the Braves are the only major league team to to win a championship. The Falcons never won one. The Hawks have never won one. I do not count Atlanta United because that is we can call it Major League Soccer all you want to, but it's a it's a B league because if you have real talent in soccer, you're playing in Europe. Oh, shots fired. 
Look, it's it's like winning a championship in Japan in baseball, if which is a great accomplishment, but it's not on the level of, of winning the World Series and winning the uh, MLS is not like winning a World Cup. It's not like playing for Manchester United. It's you know like playing basketball in Europe. It's just you're. It's entertaining and very good that you won it, but I don't put it on the level of winning a Super Bowl, World Series, or NBA Finals. I can't wait to like be talking smack to someone and be like, you're like the equivalent of playing baseball or basketball in Japan. Well, yeah, baseball in Japan, yeah, basketball in Europe, uh, or playing the, the, the Mexican League uh, summer or, or winter baseball. Yeah, winning is winning is great at any level, but when you're at the at the top level of whatever whatever game, that's that's MLB, that's NFL, that's you know that that's NBA, NHL. I, I just I didn't think of NHL off the top of my head because I'm not growing up in Florida. We didn't play a whole lot of hockey. Yeah, but you know that's that's the top. Uh, 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 worldwide, that any anybody in the world that that is good enough to play baseball, MLB comes here. Just look, the the MVP for the for the World Series is a Cuban, Jorge Soler, and his last uh, home run I don't think has landed yet. Yeah, you're talking about a lot of things I don't really know. <laughs> but I'm so really we- happy you're happy. <laughs> Well, it's it is it's 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 satisfying to 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 have it. I mean, I don't I don't live and die on whether my sports teams win, which is good because I'm a Gator fan. Uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It, like it even exci- if you're not a sports fan, it is exciting. It, it is exciting. For, it's exciting for the city. It's exciting for the people of Georgia. Uh, I, do I think that this is going to be uh, the start of a run where they win? You know, three. Uh, world championships in five years? Probably not. It'd be great if it was, but it was a, it was a fun season. You know, they were below five hundred in August, which is below half uh, half winning, and they just they never stopped. And I was I enjoyed the World Series immensely, mostly you know partially because yeah I I've been living in this chair for for two weeks and hanging on every pitch. It was an exciting series. Yeah, well, congrats. But speaking speaking of exciting, what kind of uh, uh, shakeups did we get with municipal elections? I don't know. There were lots of, obviously, lots of um, local elections all around the state on Tuesday, which the Braves won on Tuesday also, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, that was on Tuesday. So I, I, re- I remember thinking, like, nobody is watching their election results come in. I didn't even post them on our site until the next morning because I knew that nobody – Unless you were running, you probably didn't care. Um, no, you're but, right. I didn't. I didn't even pull up the the election results until Wednesday morning. Yeah, I mean, and understandably, but um, I, there was nothing really in particular that I wanted to mention, other than um, we have we had a lot of elections, contested elections down here in cities, and like incumbents had a, a huge problem. I think um, in Statesboro they held steady but in all of our other cities they were ousted um and then we have a town called register which i've written about in their police department and stuff but twice so this is this is the only thing i want to mention they twice they have um put alcohol on the ballot to sell liquor at their one store it's a town of like a couple hundred people um 
you know, they have the argument all the time about whether or not they should be a town, whatever, doesn't really matter. But they're a town, they have a police department, they have all kinds of services. Twice they have um, voted on alcohol and twice it has lost by one vote. And this earlier this year, maybe it was last year, I can't recall, they were all up in arms because they decided to institute property taxes. The town had not had property taxes ever, but they instituted property taxes to cover the costs. Um, And one of the things they said was, you know, if we collected more money in other taxes and fees, like we could use that instead of property taxes. Well, everyone's outraged. They all show up to voice their opposition. And once again, it loses on the ballot um, by a vote of 30 to 29. Unbelievable. And look, alcohol sales is a big thing for me uh, in Paulding County because, of course, you can you can we have liquor stores in Hiram and in Dallas. But the county has been resisted. And one of the biggest and nicest, you know, highest property value areas in Paulding County is in neither municipality. It's actually closer to Cobb County than it mm-hmm. is to going into Dallas or to Hiram to go buy liquor. So all that money, and trust me, these soccer moms drink. Uh, <laughs> it's, all, it's all going to Cobb County. And if you go to the closest liquor store in Cobb County, there's a restaurant there that, that, that I frequent, you you go in the parking lot and you look at the tags, Paulding, 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 and that all that money is leaving the county. And then, you know, you hear people whine and complain about property taxes, which I do too. But you're not you're not doing the steps necessary. Now, I don't know how much a single liquor store is actually c- going to contribute versus property taxes. Here's the thing. In Paulding County, it's probably not anything that would be noticeable. In the town of Register, where their expenses aren't that much, I mean, having liquor sales, because it's the same situation where I don't know how many miles because I'm terrible at gauging stuff, but maybe, I don't know, like five or ten to the county line. Just over the line is a liquor store called the County Line Package Store, and everyone drives there to buy liquor, not just from Register, but from Bullitt County in general. Um, and so, you know that there is a need there, and and then the market is for there. So, so in register, it could actually have an impact on their bottom line. But the church won again. And I don't understand because you're not. If you want to save souls, and and if you believe that liquor is evil, fine. But you don't do it by force because. All they do is cross the line. Even if you're in a dry county, people people bring it in. It, well, that's that's <laughs> prohibition failed once already, and that was a hundred years ago. Well, the other thing too that doesn't make sense is, I mean, it's package sales. It's not sure. Are there going to be people who crack open whatever they buy and drive? I'm sure there's people that do that. But by it's not like you're having it served at a restaurant and your town is going to be this rat. Like people are going to get it and then they're going to wherever they're going. Well, that's the crazy thing out here is you can go to a restaurant and get loaded. We have liquor by the drink throughout the county. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got 15 different, I'm sure more, Mexican restaurants that you can get a pitcher of margaritas anytime you want. But you can't go buy tequila and uh, and mix and take it home and do it in the privacy of your own home and knock it on the road. 
the the logic there is is messed up. And I told you one of the first cases I heard when I sat on the board of zoning appeals was for a Dollar General, and the only thing we were hearing was can they reduce the number of parking spaces like three by like three because of the topography of the of the lot. And a church showed up going, well, are you going to sell beer? He's like, it's a Dollar General. I've never seen beer at Dollar General, and literally from this Dollar General, Publix is across the street. With an entire beer aisle. But this church had to show up and make sure that this Dollar General wasn't going to sell beer. It's not ideologically consistent, and that ticks me off more than anything. Sure. But, speaking of uh, uh, of needing to drink, Ahmad Arbery trial hasn't even begun. And race is the only conversation they're having in the courtroom. Yeah, so they've been doing jury selection for two and a half weeks down in Brunswick, and... Um, I mean, I guess it's maybe by the time the show drops on Monday, it may be disingenuous to say that it hasn't started because they, it's possible they will actually convene, um, and, and get rolling on Friday afternoon. But right now they've spent two and a half weeks picking jurors and they're up in arms, um, the community and the Arbery family because the jury is 11 white people and one black juror and um i guess a special prosecutor from cobb county because you know camp appointed joy at Holmes because she was black he didn't say that but we all know that's why it was a black female to prosecute the case after all the recusal issues so she was appointed last year well then she lost in the uh november election so the office is still handling it but a, um, a special prosecutor from cobb county they're all down in brunswick and um, they, the a prosecution um, tried to challenge the fact that the defense attorneys removed eight potential black jurors because they said it's unconstitutional to strike people from a jury solely because of their race. Now, that's what all the headlines are about. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that is terrible. Like, and, and on the surface, like, it sounds bad that 11 white people were tried or that were picked and one black person when I think the county population, I think it's like 25 percent um, black in, in Glen County. But the Superior Court judge said that, it yes, uh, quite a few um, black jurors were excused, but um, and by the defense and, and it looked like, you know, possibly that. There were legitimate, non-discriminatory, clear and reasonable, specific and related for each person uh, reasons for why they were not struck. And but that's not that's the, the narrative that's hitting all the headlines. All the headlines are that the defense, uh, you know, for these white men struck all the black jurors. I mean, we don't know if the black jurors said, I think we should hang them in the square. We don't know what right. they said. We don't know why. And it's not in any other trial. I mean, we usually don't know why someone was struck until we get the transcript later on, which I mean, like there's nothing secretive about this. It's all been on local TV and like stream. You can watch it all. But, you know, we don't we don't know why they were struck. And if they provided other reasons, then shame on every person pushing the story that it's just because of their race. Of course, shame on every person pushing the story. And shame on the prosecutor for objecting on those grounds. Right. 
Right. The prosecution is just trying to win. And look, here's here's the thing. The it may be representative to have to say twenty five percent of the population, but what percentage was in that jury pool? Number one, which we don't know. Uh, number two, again, we don't know why they were struck. First thing they're asked is, "Do you think you can be impartial?" And the answer may have been no. You know, it's a it's a it's been a very widely publicized. Uh, uh, crime and upcoming trial. And honestly, everybody's got an opinion about it already, especially down there. It's, it's been on the, on the news, constant coverage of it. Uh, and I'm not saying it, sh- it shouldn't have been covered. I'm just saying that the, to, to hang it just on race alone. And again, I don't know the makeup of the jury pool. It could have been that there were a total of, Within the entire pool, what do they have? Twenty or thirty that they can, uh, including uh, including uh, alternate jurors and strikes. No, they brought it, in like hundreds of people to right. weed through. And the and it, the and the but once they once they weeded through all that, that then you they actually get to you do a questionnaire and all that stuff yeah. and and all that. So the 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 white to black ratio could have been 90 to 10 at that well, point. I have, I have no idea. Here's there's, here's the thing that bothers me is that there are, there's a lot play in a play here, but first each side gets to strike a certain, like they get to strike jurors. No, they can't do it on race, but there are a lot of reasons that they can. And if they've asked the questions and can back it up, that's the end of the story. The second thing is, is, I understand that it's supposed to be a jury of your peers and you want the jury to be representative of the the community. Um, but at the same time, like you're saying that only black people are going to be capable, like that the white people are inherently incapable of being objective here. Right. And that in and of itself is racist. Right. To say that, and you and I have covered this case also, and you know we came to to similar conclusions on it, even though we're white. Uh, so the idea that that a white person can't look at what happened and say, "Well, this was wrong," is absurd. It's a yeah. You know this this country's been leaning towards. A, a new type of segregation for for a couple years now, and I find it extremely problematic. You know, whether it's dorms that only have uh, they want to have separate dorms so that that uh, LGBTQ XYZ students can can feel safe, or Black students can feel safe, or whatever, and that's that's problematic. Or to say that only a Black jury can can be fair with this, or only a Black judge, or in the case of Kemp, we got to make sure we have a Black prosecutor to to go and do this. And it's it's patently absurd. A learned member of the bar and a member of of a prosecutor's office should, regardless of race, be able to look at the facts of the case and prosecute the case regardless. Well, and here's the other thing. And I say this as somebody who has been on, certainly not of this magnitude, but who has been on the side of the, who has been a, quote, a victim in a case. The state does not represent victims. 
The state represents the laws. And this, the burden is on the state, and the defense is entitled to a rigorous defense, no matter like no matter how you cut it, no matter how bad it is. I mean, we've seen this time and time again where people are annoyed. We've all been annoyed at different times by watching the defense that somebody gets. But that's what they're entitled to. It's a protected thing. It's a sacred thing. And I'm sorry that the Arbery family is upset about X, Y, and Z, but this is technically not about that the family. This is about whether or not a crime was committed when Ahmad Arbery was killed. That's Absolutely. that's the question we're having. Like that's what's before us. Not whether or not it ripped your heart out. Not whether or not it was hard to watch a guy fall to the ground after being shot in close. I mean, none of those things matter. The fact, like, in in the fact that we are giving so much airtime to the Arbery family is problematic right now. It is, and I, make no mistake, they're attempting to poison the jury pool. Well, yeah, and they're already poisoned to the extent that they've every pretty much everyone has seen the video. I mean, the defense attorney said at one point, like, we're not looking for jurors who haven't seen the video. We're looking for jurors who have seen the video and said that, you know, they understand that there might be like other that things happened immediately leading up to that and things after the video and other facts and circumstances. And can they weigh all of that collectively? Because that video was seen hundreds of millions of times. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, there's no way that you're, unless you're going to go and get a change of venue to Siberia, you're right. not going to find anybody who has not seen this video. And that's and that's fine. What, what you're looking for, what both attorneys are looking for, are jurors with open minds that are that are going to to make the decision based on fact pre, facts presented in that courtroom and nothing else. And I've got no patience for a juror who wants to sit there because of someone's race in either direction. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I I haven't seen anybody that 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 watched that video is like, nope, totally justified, regardless of race. So I, I it's just I I hate this is this is where we are because I I think we're moving backwards in relations in this country. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely moving backwards. But we have Georgia Senate Study Committee looking into the high cost of schools in the university system of Georgia, particularly their ongoing fees introduced after the 2008 recession that were supposed to be huh, a temporary measure. Jessica, we know all about temporary measures. Yeah, it's mighty rich to me that the the legislature is criticizing the unelected, unaccountable body that is the Georgia University system of, you know, for the Board of Regents. Like, they're upset that they instituted a fee and then never rolled it back. It's almost like every single tax credit, every single tax incentive that the legislature has passed. Oh, I don't know, the Delta fuel tax, um, you know, the things for electric vehicles, all that, like all these things that were instituted to help something for a little while are never repealed and now the legislature is upset about it. Um, but this is, this is actually, I mean, it's an interesting idea and conversation, but true to form, our lawmakers are doing it wrong. But basically what, what has happened is um, Senator Mullis and Senator Sally Harrell. So he, Mullis, we've talked about him a lot. He's a, he's a, in quotes, Republican. 
And Sally Harrell is a Democrat. And they created this study committee. It was approved in the legislative session this year um, to talk about more affordable solutions, um, particularly for grad students and part-time students, because um, the fees are astronomical. I mean, there's technology fees, sports fees. Um, and and there was like a, there was a lawsuit earlier this year about whether or not remote students who were taking 100% online courses should be required to pay these fees that are supposed to be associated with campuses. And I would be lying if I said I knew the outcome of it. But um, I can't imagine that I would be shocked if the courts sided with the individual. But anyway, um, basically, I guess before the recession hit, fees were 25% of the cost of college. And the the um, actual tuition was 75% and now it's like 50-50 which you know is exactly what the Board of Regents wanted to do and that they so that you can't take it away because then their argument's going to be well where are we going to we're going to have to raise tuition to to make up for 50% of our our income you know our revenue um, but I guess on an like on an average full time student um, per semester, the fees are like nine hundred and ninety three dollars. On top of you know, depending on where you go, seventeen hundred to twenty two hundred dollars um, for like I guess like Georgia Perimeter, Kennesaw, things like that. Well, you know. Nothing is ever temporary. This this is something that we've all been screaming about the COVID stuff, about the 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 power given to the executive branch, the power given to government to close businesses because because oh we're in a crisis right now. And that same thing happened in in oh uh, eight oh nine with we're in a crisis right now. And and I'm not sure how you're supposed to help people in a recession by making tuition more expensive. And, well, and these and, fees as a, are not covered by. Yes, hope. that's that's a good point that I left off. Like that's what's interesting about doing it during the recession is the part of the college that is, and I guess like it's because they cut the funding and and the reimbursements and everything. But um, it's interesting that you make college more expensive, which. I don't necessarily have a problem with, except that we're telling everyone to go to college and making the degree less valuable and making it more expensive to go. And so you just created this terrible show of a vicious cycle. But back to your point. Well, and look, I'm I'm the first one to say hope has not helped anyone. All it's done is made tuition more expensive. Uh, this, to me is a is a money grab to to keep to to fund the colleges out of students pockets with the false ho- uh, promise of of scholarships so you think i've got the scholarship the next thing you know by the way we've got this fee this fee this fee this fee and for 50% of it to be i mean just make that the damn tuition whatever it cost to, to send a student to school. And I totally agree with the idea that if you're 100% online, especially the last 18, 20 months, where a lot of students never stepped foot onto campus, why the hell are they paying these fees? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of fees. There's 
There's an institutional fee, which was the one that was instituted in 2009. Um, and that's like 100 to $450 depending per semester, depending on um, which school you go to. Um, at Kennesaw, you have to pay $55 for technology. Um, I mean, there's a I'm looking at Kennesaw State as an example. That's the only budget that I have. But for FY22, or for this school year, so fall 21 and spring 22, there's an activity fee of $39, an athletic fee of $221, a health fee of $51, a parking fee of $83, $97 for rec center, $300 for an institutional the um, 86 for sports and recreation parks, 55 for tech, 58 for transportation, and a $3 wellness fee for a total of $993 if you're taking five or more hours. And I guess that's on top of, so a 12-hour tuition for in-state, 12, taking 12 hours undergrad is um, $2,000. $224.80 for one semester. So, you know, obviously with almost $1,000 in fees, it's $3,200 a semester for undergrad at Kennesaw. And then you have the biggest scam in higher education, which is books. <laughs> yeah. Which have not gotten less expensive, even though they're digital. Yeah, books are the are the biggest scam in higher education. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it. Look, it's it's a money making venture. Uh, one of the one of the early stories that that when I came on the show that we covered was an independent university that uh, the owner of Captive Air created, and showed how inexpensive college can be when it is just an institution for learning. As the same guy owns private schools that people are in line for. I, I believe he's in the Carolinas. But it, it, as a private institution, we don't, you know, no scholarships, no this. We have, uh, we, we don't do sports uh, on the on the on the primary school. We don't we don't feed the kids. This is what we do. We educate. We educate children. And he turns and people are waiting in line for this opportunity. And I understand that college is an experience for a lot of kids, but all these fees. It, they were hell. The parks were closed, and they've got fees for, to maintain these parks. Yeah, I. Should, it's it's interesting, and it's interesting that there's like a sports fee and a parks and rec fee. I mean, I appreciate the transparency and breaking it out, but some of it seems to overlap a little bit. Oh, sure it does, and it, it's just a money grab. So this is a good time. To remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show, or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Uh, I like this headline, Jessica. What the F is Dave's favorite doing? <laughs> Speaking of my that. beloved Gators, uh, the University of Florida forbade three of its professors from testifying as expert witnesses in a lawsuit challenging a new Florida voting law. Now they're suing. 
Yeah, so Florida kind of did what Georgia did in some of the their voting overhauls, like the ballot drop boxes, voting by mail. And they signed theirs into law in May, DeSantis did. Um, and of course, their organizations filed to sue, um, saying it disproportionately harmed people of color because I guess, you know, white people can't be wrong by voting laws. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's hilarious that like we made um, the news for months and months and months while other states have been doing the same stuff. Yeah, we lost the all-star game because because of the uh, misrepresentation of our new voting law. That that's okay. We traded it for a ring. Ah. Ha. Ah. Ha. Uh, the law passed this year. I mean, it's just it, it limitations on voting by mail and ballot drop boxes. Uh, this law went in, uh, went into effect. It was signed in May. You know, first of all, it's not a voting rights group if if you, if you oppose people actually voting and counting actual votes. Well, I mean. If you can't put it in a random mailbox on the side of the road, like, how else are they supposed to vote? Yeah, if you can't drive around and collect mail-in ballots and put your own stamps on them and drop them off by the hundreds, I mean, are you truly defending the republic? Mm-hmm. You know, I... Anyway, we're not getting into the to the nuts and bolts of the Florida law. But uh, UF President Ken Fuchs, and that's not how I was going to pronounce it, and Provost Joe Glover jointly issued a statement affirming the university's dedication to academic freedom and freedom of speech, announcing the appointment of a quote-unquote task force to review the university's policy uh, on conflicts of interest for consistency and fidelity. We talked about academic freedom not long ago. We did. We did. Um, so freedom only goes one way. Well, the argument that the university is making that they can like do it pro bono or on their own time, um, that they're free to do so. I don't. I, I mean, like, and this is my own ignorance because I remember learning about, I actually took a course on this in grad school, but um I hated the teacher, so I didn't really do much. But because he was like, not that a, you're petty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I turned the evaluation over and like wrote a letter to him because he was so awful. But he was extremely liberal. But isn't there something like when you are a professor somewhere and you publish books? Like, isn't there some sort of agreement between you and the university for? I mean, like making money, I guess while you're employed as a professor. Isn't that kind of a muddy thing? It's done all the time. Uh, whether it's TV appearances, uh, we, we see it constantly. Professor of this, professor of that. Anytime you watch t- Talking Heads, they're on TV give, giving their opinions. But I, I really think acting as, a, as an expert witness is a, is a service to the community. And it's not up to the university to decide what your opinion is on it. 
Well, yeah, that's a terribly, um, I mean, if someone wants to subpoena or pay someone as an expert testimony, like, isn't, I mean, and I don't know, especially since the university receives state and federal funds. Right. And they're testifying on behalf of the state. It would be interesting to see if the same would be true if they were uh, being called as expert witnesses for the plaintiff. Would the oh, university sure. be that quick to, to jump in and say, nope, can't do that. Can't, no, 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 can't do that. No, they, they'd, they would quote academic freedom and say, we're not getting into it one way or the other, but our, our, uh, our professors are, are, uh, are free to express their opinions uh, in court or anywhere else. But because these, what is it, three professors are going to testify on behalf of the state, all of a sudden it's a problem. No, no, no. They're not testifying on part of the state, aren't they? I thought they were testifying because the whole argument is that it would be in conflict with the executive branch. Well, the university system is, even though they they accept funds, they're, they're, they're independent. No, and I may have misread it. So this is awesome radio. No, I, now I'm confused, (laughs) but I mean, uh, either way, first of all, it's alarming to me that a university system or an institution on its own would tell somebody whether or not they can make money. You know, it's not like professors work nine to five. Everybody knows that because classes are different and the way they were, I mean, it's just as a unique job. Um, so like to say that when they're not on campus, that they can't be paid to go do something else. Right or what or what? I, I, I don't. I don't care if it's pontificating or if it's bagging groceries at Publix. When they're when they're not in class or they're not doing their research and they're off campus, that's it. You know, we're not talking about members of the military here that have that have huge restrictions on what they can do in, in the public square. We're, we're talking about academics, and the university really has no place in telling them. What they can do when when they are not when they're not on campus when when they're not performing duties for the university, and it doesn't matter which side they're testifying for, they're they're being asked to come and come and testify based on their expertise in their field. If if it was somebody in the in the uh, research department and they were being asked to go and and testify based on the uh, uh, based on the, the vaccine or something like that, you absolutely have university folks come in and testify because those are the people doing the research. You know, yeah, they're doing efficacy rates or something like that. You know, that's, that's who's doing the, doing the research. So absolutely you have them come and testify, whether it's, whether it's before Congress or if they're giving their two cents on the public square or writing an op-ed or anything like that. That's what, academics do how this becomes a problem now i don't understand it's just well again it's another example of ideological and obviously policy inconsistency the one thing i don't understand is you know 
certainly University of Florida has more than three like poli-sci law professor type people, right? You would think. Yes, between between department heads and professors and everybody else, yeah, the the poli sci department is is not uh, three professors. No, absolutely. I don't know. And it would be. I think this is something. Honestly, it's something I'd like to see work out in front of a jury. Um, not that juries are brilliant, but I would like to see like both sides argue where this should fall because maybe we do need to further define what a professor is and how they like at what point you are a state employee and stuff because I mean if you're a detective or an agent for the GBI or you work for the Department of Education like you can't just testify at will like if you work for the GBI you can't just be called in for all kinds of wrongful death or, you know, you so I don't know, like you just wouldn't be able to be able to bring them in because they have no obligation, like subpoena power wise. And I don't I don't know. I would like to see this play out. Yeah, I don't know where professors fall as state employees. Because they're they're sort they of are contract state, well, employees. He, hold on a second. If they're getting I mean, they are state employees because they're getting all those pensions and health insurance benefits. And I mean, certainly but I guess the question is, like, can state employees work as experts without restriction? Yes or no? Well, that's... Because it can't be sometimes. That's the problem. Right. It, it, yes, it, it ha- there's going to have to be a, a hard, fast rule uh, put out, and this is it. You can't, or you can only testify for the state because you're a state employee. Uh, unless subpoenaed or something like that, I I don't know. I, I don't know where that is, and in, in, in relation to to state policy or, or state law, it's a good question. It will be a, it will be a a, uh, a f- interesting case to follow if it actually goes anywhere. Yeah, it is Florida though. <laughs> it is Florida. So the briefs will be had in jean shorts. <laughs> <laughs> While people wrestle alligators outside. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Snakes, <laughs> snakes, alligators, and jean shorts. Mm-hmm. And yes, I did own... Sounds like a day in the legislature. Yeah, I did own jean shorts when I lived in Florida. Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, those were those were swim trunks to, uh, to us. <laughs> I just can't even go there, huh? Uh-uh. Wrongful death lawsuit filed against Seattle leaders in fatal protest zone shooting... Uh, a father filed a wrongful death lawsuit alleging Seattle city officials acted with deliberate indifference to circumstances that led to his 19-year-old son's death during a Capitol Hill Occupy, uh, occupied protest over racial injustices last year. I love this. I love it because um, on the side of the government, it totally and completely outlines why... We should not have free speech zones because this is what this was, the protest zone. I mean, it's why they're such a bad idea because um, not that I think that the government is responsible and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, you put someone you you tell people like this is where you can be. And this is a government sanctioned place and then something bad happens there. Of course, they're going to blame you. 
Like, what do you expect? Sure. You might not be irresponsible, but of course they're going to blame you. Being culpable and legally responsible to are, are two different concepts. But yeah, it, this was supposed to be the summer of love, as I recall. Mm-hmm. That this was going to be uh, an area of peace and love. It ended up being an area of pestilence and violence. Yeah, that was extremely dangerous. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised more people didn't die of like dysentery and, and, and things like that just from uh, the, the conditions in Seattle were just absolutely disgusting. Well, and I'm pretty sure that they're, um, they're like, uh, what's it called? Because it wasn't all protests, but their their time period of all like went on way longer than anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Oh yeah, they put people out of business. Uh, just I mean, just absolutely destroyed the area. Uh, and true, some people did show up there as you know. 21st century hippies to go out there and and strum a uh, acoustic guitar and 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 sing and and do that kind of stuff and pass flowers but it Surprise. was attractive yeah it, it was attractive to people that wanted wanted a lawless society and were interested in violence because they knew they wouldn't be held accountable raping and pillaging literally I was going to say quite literally yeah so so the lawsuit filed in King County Superior Court by Horace Anderson and, uh, and the estate of his slain son uh, comes after Seattle police abandoned their East Precinct during the protests. So kind of like what Minneapolis, didn't they have to do the same thing there when they like set it on fire? They, they actually left? Yeah, which, which is always a good way of stopping violence is to completely pull out and let them get away with anything they want. Well, I don't, I mean... If you're protesting the police and you don't want police presence and and you're going to like behave like that. I mean, they were like when you're like torching buildings and stuff, I'm I don't know. But how are you going to hold How are you going to blame the rioters on the police? Like, yeah, it, if I'm home and someone comes in and robs me at my home, I can't Blame the police for not stopping it. No, and look, there's a there's a culpability here. It was the entire situation was handled very poorly. Uh, like I said, businesses were were destroyed. Uh, family business, you know, absolutely destroyed. It was an awful situation. However, this this 19 year old adult made the decision to be there. He did. So, look, if, if there are neighborhoods in Atlanta, if uh, if I go down there and get myself shot because I'm doing something stupid, I my family can't go sue city of Atlanta because I should know better. You know, well, he, I'm not. I'm not. You blaming. should know better, but you also you just can't. I mean, the mother. So the, I don't know if they're divorced or what, but the mother. Of this um, 19-year-old, she filed a suit in federal court, and it was dismissed because they said that members of the public have no constitutional right to sue city officials who fail to protect them against harm inflicted by a third party. Makes sense. 
the new lawsuit filed by the father rely is like a um a state suit and it claims that again like you talked about the negligence cuz and they said deliberate indifference but that the duties of the officials owe citizens um and that they shouldn't have immunity but wasn't it was it parkland where they said that officers have no duty to respond I think you're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. No. No. I'm talking, there was there was a case in Florida where after, when that school resource officer oh. didn't charge the building and they yes, said Yes, that, yes, yes, sorry. We've had so he, much. I know. So much of this lately. I know. Yeah. Because well, people oh, sue yeah, that about was, everything. That was my home. That was Broward County, I believe. Where they said, you but know, it's true. I mean, the, it was the argument, it was a sheriff's deputy there was a school resource deputy, and then he, but but if you look at state constitutions, they say that the job of a sheriff is to um, run the jail, protect the courthouse, and keep the peace. It doesn't say you have to like. I mean, I'm not saying that is right, but it doesn't say they have to. So you can't sue them. Like you can't argue all day long. These people, these people kill me. You can't argue all day long that the government. You know, the Constitution doesn't say someone can do something, so they sh- the government shouldn't be doing it. But then when something comes along and they didn't do something, be mad because they didn't do it when it, they're not authorized, like they're not mandated or to do it. It's, it's, it's right. Oh, no, it's absolutely hypocritical. <coughs> it's it's you, everybody's an ideologue until it affects them. <coughs> exactly. It's just, just um, so frustrating. And there is a wide chasm between moral and ethical uh, obligations. And of course, you're morally and, and ethically obligated to go and, and save people and legal obligations. And the law doesn't say that a deputy has to go and risk his life and run into charge into gunfire to, to save people. It, it just doesn't. Well, but that but that sheriff, I, I think he lost election. Uh, there was mm, a did he not? I don't know, but I mean, Broward County is an interesting place. But I mean, whatever the ruling was, kind of like set a precedent around the country, and it's it, so. I mean, I know that there are different state laws and everything, and I don't, you know, municipal police are different than a constitutional office of a sheriff. But I still don't. Yeah, they have a responsibility and they shouldn't have left, but you can't prove that if they had been there, it wouldn't have happened. Right. It was civil unrest. And I'm sorry, that that 19-year-old adult was in the middle of the civil unrest. Right. I I, mean, you know what's unfortunate, though, is that they'll probably get something. A lot of settlement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's probably a, a probably in their in the city's best interest not to take it to trial because there there is a lot of anger about about that stuff. There's a lot of anger directed at the police, and then you then you have a a suffering family that is going to pluck on the heartstrings of a jury. So it probably is in their best interest to cut them a check and make them go away, make them sign a uh, an NDA, and make them go away. I, you know, of course, I you know I'm not a not an attorney, mm-hmm. but it, from a from a layman's observer standpoint, it seems like it would be 
much more efficient for the city to to cut a check than than it is to to pay a legal team, take this to trial, and then still possibly lose. I guess. And that that will really tell if if this family takes a settlement, it will show that it was about money and not about right and wrong. Right and wrong, you want to go to trial and you want you want this to be exposed. If they get offered five million or what, I'm just coming up with a number out of my butt. Uh, if they get offered five million to go away and they take it, that means that that's what they were after. They were after money. They weren't ac- actually after changing the way that the police departments and sheriff's departments handle. I know sheriff's offices handle yeah. civil unrest. No, totally. I mean, it's just backwards. It's all backwards. No, it, the 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 last twenty months has been backwards. And I, 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 the chop or whatever the hell they called it uh, in that area, the, the autonomous zone where they put up barricades and wouldn't allow police in and, and they just, everybody just kind of hung back. Look, that's a, that is an insurgency and the, the government actually is constitutionally allowed to go in and put down civil unrest, put down an uprising like that. When you set fire to a police department, when you when you chase well, police out, you, we actually do have have the authority to go and stop that. You know, the irony of all of that is that they were opposed to the federal troops going in, which, I mean, we talked about that on the show, too, but they resisted that. Well, yeah, because it was coming from Donald Trump. Right, but I mean... They refuse, you know, I don't know. I, I just, and I'm not just talking about the city of Seattle, like the people, the people up there did not want, I mean, they were saying that, you know, we'll, we'll fight them. We'll take them, like, keep on. It's just, I don't like people at all. Look, it was this a unique situation. I, I, I don't, I don't see the merit of the case, but you're probably right. There'll be a settlement just to make them go away. Yeah, because you got insurance policy and. It's easier that way, and no one has right. to admit wrongdoing, and we can keep doing the same things we've always done. Except some, somebody is going to buy a nice new house. So, Jessica, as, as we're winding down with all the good news that, that mm-hmm. we've had this week, closing thoughts. I just wanted to give a little praise to the guy. He's not really getting a lot of attention, again, because people don't pay attention um, well, we make the World Series and everything, but the state Senate president in New Jersey, Steve Sweeney, lost re-election to a Republican. They initially reported that he spent $153, but apparently that was just in the primary. But he still, he said he spent more than 5000 less than 10000 He hadn't finished his final figures. But he ousted an incumbent in leadership by the good old grassroots door knocking, meeting people, um... And, of course, I'm sure he had the momentum of some other things that were going on in New Jersey at the time. But um, he, he kicked butt in an off-year election and didn't have to spend $100,000 to do it. And I think that that's, that's amazing. Yeah, he's a truck driver. Yeah. He's, he, he's a truck driver. I, I saw some, some of his commercials. Uh, his name's Durr. Edward D-U-R-R. Durr. Yeah. Uh, but he... He came across as a regular guy. Not not to mention there's a there's a huge 
anti-incumbent uh, wave yes. moving through the country right now. Uh, but they from they the opposite political party? Sweetie. Yeah, but the, the after after the restrictions, after you know, again, this is about the fifth time I said it. After the last twenty months, mm-hmm. it, people are up. People are upset, and this is again, this is a Republican who spent what one hundred fifty three in the primary, one hundred fifty three dollars in the primary. I'm guessing and there I, was I, no other Republican. Yeah, or you know, then you know, less than ten thousand in the general, which. I would guess his he got some money coming in from the RNC, which is why he spent you know that much money. Is once once you get through the primary, there is there's other money that comes in. There's national money that comes in, state money that comes in. Plus, uh, people who don't like don't like Sweeney from anywhere in the state, hell, anywhere in the country could could send him money. Mm-hmm. And now now this guy has worked himself into a job. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I think he, he he seems like he seems like a a good guy. I mean, he's still a, a New Jersey Republican, which you know down here we call Democrats, right? But they're the old school Democrats if they're like the blue right. dog Democrats, not the socialist. That's not, what they. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying I not don't know. Elon I don't, Omar. Right. 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 But yeah, this this guy is is the poster child for citizen legislators. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna stop driving his truck. Yeah, this this was this was a working man that said I'm I'm fed up with the way things are going at the at the at the state house and let me get involved and I I absolutely love it I think it's a great pick for hero of the week. Yeah, and he did it with such you know I just love that he was able to do it with such little money because that's Chozo's hard work. It is, and especially local politics. And I understand he's, it's a state position, but your your district is local. It's getting out and meeting people. It's it's it even even on statewide. It's it's showing up at stuff. It's shaking hands. It's all the stuff that Purdue did not do in his last last election because he just thought he was bulletproof. Mm-hmm. But getting out and pressing the flesh and listening to people, and I I, I guarantee you that like Sweeney was. Uh, was asked for a debate and he just scoffed. Like I'm like, I'm just like, he wasn't going to give this guy, uh, you know, any, uh, any legitimacy, just ignore him. So Sweeney, uh, refused to, to debate him. And you would think, you know, somebody who's the Senate president and, and, uh, so learned would, would gladly show up to a debate thinking he's going to mop the floor with this simpleton who drives a truck. But no, he just he he just refused to show up, and I guarantee you that that didn't play well when he knocked on doors said, "Look, I've I've invited him to to a debate, but he refuses to come." He's a loser now. What's that? Now he's a loser. He is a loser now. Uh, the only thing I have is if you like what you heard, please like and share us on social media. Inflict us on your friends. Give us a rating on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Five stars is acceptable. Anything less is not. If you have any criticism, please let us know. It is up to, uh, we're allowing one per week per Jessica. <laughs> is it one or two per week, Jess? Uh, one, unless it's a holiday. One unless it's a holiday. <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening. On behalf of Jessica Slodgy, my partner, 
Uh, Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week.